Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. So let's um, let's jump into the questions here. We'll go for, for Tony the Magnificent's question. Uh, you mentioned a set number of teeth of appliance for appliance selection. What about people with implants, single tooth or locator uh, CD to fix or to fixed hybrid? I apologize. Okay, so usually the standard is a minimum of six teeth, but I like eight to do an appliance with. Uh, as far as uh, locators, uh, actually, I think I'm going to be doing a lecture with AADSM next year on edentialism, uh, how to do it with patients with full upper uh, teeth. Uh, and you can do, uh, you, you know, just real quickly, I, I've made plenty of appliances on patients with, who have a good retained upper denture and two locators, if not four implants on the bottom. So you can do that. Uh, I never make mine over existing dentures. That's two movable parts. It's just not the way I do it. So yeah, so Tony, the Magnificent, two implants, you can make it just like you do an overdenture. And so you will then make it and then add the locators into the sleep appliance in the mouth intraorally. And there's a technique and you feel free to email me. I actually send you a couple of slides on, on how I do it. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. And Tony, we'll see you in, I believe, San Diego, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dr. Salas um, says, how do you know how much to set the VDO? Well, I think that's important. I mean, some people just use a traditional uh, George Gage set at two, three millimeters. I don't you do that. Uh, some people use a snore test. I basically, you know, used to use a lot of echo vision and pharyngometry. I still have it. Um, but doing any experience, I realized that we don't want to open people up too, too much. I think it's a balance. I think uh, if I look at the tongue size, I look at the pharyngeal opening. I think sometimes those patients, you need a little bit more vertical than another patient. Uh, class three patients need a little bit more. Uh, so I basically, you know, usually have a set formula where about where I start patients in the four to six millimeter range. Uh, from their teeth. And then again, some people start everybody at 50% protrusion. I've seen that not work for a lot of cases. I think you need to start people less. I think there's studies, uh, Dr. Murphy did a lecture, we talked about dose. And, and we know that uh, studies show that once you get beyond 50% protrusion, you do get sometimes uh, more TMD side effects. So I think there's a balance. We're seeing less and less uh, protrusion. We're looking at, there's been studies that just bringing a patient edge to edge and opening them slightly and maintaining the mandible from falling backwards is sometimes just enough for patients. So I hope that Mike uh, answered your question. Yeah. And, and for that dose, we actually have that as a recorded webinar on our website. So if you need that link, let us know. Uh, dose management, you can just go to recorded webinars on our website or, or let us know. We'll send you the link. Uh, Michael Steinberg uh, said, can, dis can a discluding element protect the arms of a herpst, um, I believe, for bruxism? Yeah, you know, Michael, question. it's an interesting question. I make anterior discluders on a lot of my... Um, um, dorsal type appliances, I, I never made it on a herpst. Um, I only had the one patient who broke the arms on the herpst uh, and he had a rigid herpst. And um, 
I'm now making him the more flexible herp. So he hasn't broken that yet, but I've never tried an anterior discluder on a herps. Uh, I think that's a good point, Michael. I think I might try that with, you know, that now you said that, because uh, we know the anterior discluders do work and they help with certain types of cases and they're indicated for certain patients. Uh, but I've never done it on a herps. I, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think I might experiment now that you, you brought that up. And I never thought of that. So you've given me some to learn today from. Awesome. I love uh, learning while teaching. It's one of the Absolutely. coolest pieces. Absolutely. Uh, not a question, but Amanda Schneider said, thanks for an excellent lecture. Um, thank you, Amanda, for joining us today. It's great to, great to have you on. Uh, we've got two questions from Sue. Um, how do I know which appliance to use or which one to dictate to the lab to make? Well, I guess, Sue, I mean, I don't know the level of how many appliances you made. I think you need to, to try a few. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you haven't made appliances on yourself to try a few on yourself. Uh, I've, I've tried everything. I've, mm -hmm. worn, I've worn a nylon appliance. I've worn a tap. I've worn an, uh, a dorsal. I've worn a herbst. Um, and so, again, they all have different mechanisms of actions. You know, look at your patient's dentition and try different designs and see what you feel that the patients are like and what kind you're going to start to get some good uh, results with, with, uh, with your post-op sleep studies. So again, one appliance doesn't fit every patient, and I think you need to have three or four. But I think you wouldn't go wrong with pick, picking some of the ones that we recommended tonight from from their EMAs are nice appliances, they're comfort to start. Um, a uh, Evo Select is a nice appliance to start. A Herps can be nice. So you have three right there to start with. I think that'll get you rolling uh, for most of your patients. And I'll, I'll just tag onto that, Sue, less of a clinical answer, more of just a, one, I, I believe in trying a lot of appliances. I've worn several myself. I wear one right now. Uh, but I'll need a new one after I get done with my CPAP here um, while doing ortho. But um, if you need, if you want to, if anyone here wants to try an appliance you haven't tried, let us know. We have really good relationships with most appliance manufacturers. We're happy to see if we have any discounts or anything for you. And more than that, if you're not sure which appliance to try, schedule that call with the coach. We're happy to kind of walk you through the pros and cons. We have an entire course dedicated to the clinical foundations of dental slip medicine and actually how to submit a lab slip. So we can definitely help out with that if need be. Cool. Um, we got Dr. Daryl Azus. I apologize if I butchered the name. How do you handle when the mandible comes forward and the patient can no longer go back to their habitual bite? Well, I'm, I'm assuming, Dr. Daryl, that you made them a morning repositioner. Um, again, if I catch it early enough, I use bite tabs. Um, that I use, and I use some of the AADSM jaw exercises that I can get the patient back if there's a small shift. If that's a patient, like I had a patient who had a three millimeter to four millimeter uh, protruded bite that was three years running, you're not gonna you're not gonna change that patient. That patient's basically either lives there, which is not what you want, or they're gonna have to go into orthodontics. Um, so again, how do I handle it? I don't let it happen. That's the first thing. Uh, I, I want to be proactive and not reactive. I want to make a morning repositioner for all my patients. I want to make sure they use it. That's why I, I, um, I give a lecture on side effects. Another little Dr. C. Pearl is you take a piece of dental floss, fold it in half and half again and roll it. Have them put it on their occlusion uh, of their, like say number 30 and let them bite number three and 30 together. Have them pull on that floss and it's tight. And I tell them once a week, you try that. If that floor starts to come loose, you come and see me. 
and wow. they if they use that's a little pearl that I've picked that I do for patients. And that, if they do that at home, they're they're going to say because I want to catch that uh, Dr. Darrell within within weeks, not months or years. So that's how I do it. So, but there's a few things. I've also made Essex retainers with class three elastics to try to bring the jaw back. But again, you're fighting a losing battle if it's if it's more uh, chronic than acute. Wow, I like the the floss test. I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, well, you know, you got to pick up a pearl here and there, right? Yeah, yeah. The maestro's got to give you a pearl. That's right. Uh, Dr. Bella Rappaport said, when do you, what do you use for follow-up HST? Um, I'm also going to say, Dr. Carillo, I know you're in New Jersey, so that's a tricky question for you. If you want to tag me, we, we do that. No, but uh, well, I'll tell you what I do in New Jersey. Again, we're not allowed to dispense home sleep testing, uh, but we are allowed to do calibration testing. So again, I always like, like for like, um, that's one of the things. So if the patient started with a watch pad, I'd like to see that as the follow-up sleep test. If they had an Aries unit or an Umbella or any of the devices, they're all good uh, initial testing. If they had an in-lab test, I mean, they're probably not going to get an in-lab test for to, to see your follow-up, but try to do like for like, and there's ways to do that. So again, in New Jersey, I don't bill for it because I'm a lot allowed. Um, but in my, in my, in my office, uh, we do send home a watch pad. And we tell the patient, look, this is just a calibration study. It's not going to be interpreted by a sleep physician. It's just going to give me some data uh, because especially with my high moderates and severe patients, I don't want to have the patient go back and forth in New Jersey from me to the sleep physician, back to me, back and forth. So again, where I feel that there's two things I look for. Uh, I want to make sure that all their subjective signs are gone. You know, did they stop snoring? Did they feel more rested? You get all those good subjective things done. Uh, and then I will um, send them home, say, with a watch pad that they paid just for the disposable. But it's not a definitive study. They go back to the sleep physician for the definitive study. And, and you wanted yeah. to chime in. Yeah. So we have a ton of clients um, who are doing referrals and whatnot. Um, there's a bunch of different home sleep test devices. They all basically do the same thing. It just kind of depends on the cost structure for de deciding which home sleep test. But when you get a referral, a lot of our clients will actually have their patients do a baseline test. And again, that's not, they already have a diagnosis. They don't need another one, but they'll get that baseline test. They'll run it through an artificial intelligent titration report just to get the kind of tech edit feel to it. And then they'll use that compared to these adjust, these tests that Dr. Crollo is mentioning to see how the patient's doing as a titrate. And that way, even no matter what home sleep test you use, you can always have a baseline to compare to and something to compare to down the road as well. So when you send it back to the physician, you can say with confidence, this is where we are with their treatment. Yeah, it's a great way to do it. Cool. Uh, Dr. Darrell again says, do you ever intentionally bring the mandible into a more protrusive and permanent bite to relieve TMJ pain? Well, I don't intentionally bring them there. I try if they're if they're having severe TMD and I don't think an appliance is it should be done initially. I'm not going to make a new appliance. They're going to have to go on CPAP and I might make them some type of appliance therapy. They might need other other modalities for TMD therapy, whether it's trigger point injections and things like that. That's a whole nether that could be a whole a whole day lecture almost. Uh, but I don't intentionally bring them forward to alleviate. Uh, pain. I want to take care of their TMD if they're in severe pain. So again, as if you listen to what I said is if they don't have an internal derangement and they just have some minor soreness, a slightly mantibular advancement device usually alleviates that. If they have a true 
um, capsular problem or a, or a closed lock situation, I think you wanna handle that um, and maybe put the patient on different types of appliances or different therapies and rule that out and maybe keep them on CPAP. And as I mentioned earlier, CPAP's a great option. You know, we, you know, we do a lecture sometimes called, um, I don't know if, if Chad done it, but I did this lecture at the academy one year, um, non-responders. What do you do? Mm -hmm. I think you had that with Ken Smith, maybe. Uh, yeah. Great lecture. I remember watching it. <clears throat> great, great, great doctor, Ken Smith, a phenomenal speaker. And, and, and nobody knows sleep probably more than him. He's one of my favorites. And every mm -hmm. time he speaks, I learn something. And so, you know, sometimes you're going to get non-responders. So, you know, CPAP combination therapy isn't a bad thing for some patients and also maybe for a TMD patient that you you're not going to over advance. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Rhonda asks, what is your bite registration technique of choice? Does it change based on the appliance you choose? So my bite registration technique of choice is basically <clears throat> using these airway metrics type jigs. I like them because I, you know, I have friends of mine that make uh, George Gage bite forks, which are great. So you could do the same thing with George Gage. You can I just don't think everybody fits into a two millimeter and a five millimeter George gauge. So if I was using George gauges on a regular basis, I would make a two, a three, a four, a five millimeter George gauge because I everybody has a different position. So I would I'd like that. So yeah, so you can use a George gauge as your as your bite registration of choice. You can use uh, these bite jigs, anything you use. It doesn't matter for the appliance. All you need is something that's going to position that jaw in your construction bite whether it's at the 35, 40% protrusion based on their range of motion, whether it's through a snort test or, or you're, you're like, as you said, that the way you uh, dose describes it in, in a previous seminar, you want to take your bite registration with a scan. I use scanners. So the problem with scanners is that whether you use a George gauge or anything, sometimes the scanner can't see between the teeth and the opposing teeth. So a little trick I do is I just take some PVS putty and you can, when the patient's got the George gauge, you can just put a little putty, uh, smear it and just press it against the George gauge that covers the George gauge. Then you scan the lower teeth, then the scanner sees the putty, then scans the upper teeth, and then it just captures that protrusive bite that you pick. And then when it, when it processes, the George gauge is not there and neither is the putty. So it just sort of helps you connect the dots. So it doesn't affect any of the appliances that I pick. Cool. Uh, Dr. Moser asked, with the Evo having flex, would you use this type on patients with multiple restorations crowns, or would you still go with an appliance with a liner? Well, A, I don't make any appliances with liners anymore because, like I said, uh, I've seen too many delaminate. <clears throat> and so when you, when you start using anything, especially like an Evo, um, and you have a lot of crowns. Uh, I do a pre-test with those type of patients. Um, you can also put it into the profile saying, I want it retentive, but I don't want it over retentive. So that could be a profile set up with whether it's ProSomnus or Panthera or any company. But what I do with my, my uh, ProSomnus appliances, I, and I get it back, I take it, the, the first upper and lower, I put it on the model. If it snap clicks in, and I can't get it off. It's going to be too hard on the teeth. So uh, Dr. Murphy does a lecture, calls it dusting, where you just slightly round off the interproximal parts of the internal part of the appliance. I want it to fit on that model 
and be taken off with normal hand pressure and not like a vice to take it off. So that's what I do for those crown cases. And is the Evo, my, that would be my one of choice. So it's flexible. It's not going to hurt the crowns. And if I pre-try it, I don't deliver it where it's over tight on those type of patients. I check it on the model first. I pre-adjust it. So when I deliver it, it just goes right in and I don't have spend. I'd rather spend more time without the patient and in the chair. Um, and it just works for me that way, checking it ahead of time. I actually just got a crown um, and I do have an Evo and where it did pull the temporary off. Um, it's been, to, uh, the dentist did the dusting and adjusted the, the final. Uh, with yeah. the, oh, that's the a good point. Real quick. If you're going to have a crown, like uh, Chad just had done, he had an Evo made. So you already had your appliance made. So you probably had a, uh, whoever made your appliance. And again, I'm not the dentist always. I'm the dental sleep medicine and they go to someone else. We have a thing in our post-op protocols. If you're going to have any dentistry done, let us know. So what we do is we will give you that model of say, mm -hmm. let's say you had a crown done on tooth number 14. So it can go to your dentist and a lab can scan the model. So they make the new crown to the same dimensions of your old tooth so that you really don't have to adjust the appliance much. Yeah, it was, it was a really strange one, actually. They used a scanner, got the, it was almost perfect, but something, it, yeah, they still had to adjust at the end. It was, it was, it was a fun time. But um, cool. So we'll, let's keep on. We got three more questions. Uh, Michael Steinberg asked if a patient's midline is off when he occludes, but is lined up when he opens up, where do we set the bite and where do we set the morning positioner? Uh, you got a lot. There's three questions in there. So <laughs> if the patient's midline off when he bites and is centric, you make the morning repositioner there. Um, that goes to a good point. Some people, and I talked to Dr. Murphy about this with prosomnus, and I've talked to Panther and I've talked to other places, send one scan into the lab. They send one scan and say, make me my sleep bite and make my morning repositioner. Uh, I don't believe that because they have to hand articulate the open bite to get the morning repositioner. So what do I do? My, my scanning software has the ability to send two bites, or if not, you can send two separate scans. And so we send a scan of their normal habitual bite for the morning repositioner. Then we import that back into our software, delete that bite, take our sleep bite. And if the patient has a little deviation, when they go forward, we take the, their uh, sleep bite with that deviation. Because if they're gonna go so forward and have a slight uh, midline shift, you want to make sure you don't force them to be in their normal midline if they have maybe a one millimeter shift to the left. And you take your sleep bite there and you send the lab two different scans. So you have the morning, the centric bite or the habitual bite for the morning repositioner. And as you protrude them, wherever their deviation is, if it's not severe, that's going to be it. But make note to them, hey, I opened this patient up, we protruded them. There's a one millimeter midline shift that's normal. And one thing good about like the labs, they'll send it back to you with a picture saying, hey, doc, is this what it is? Is it off this much? One millimeter, two millimeters? And you're going to have to approve it before they make it. So they're, they're good at that. So again, that's how I do it. I send two separate scans in those situations. In fact, on all my patients, two separate scans, one for the morning repositioner and one for the, um, the actual patient bite. Chat, you're muted. Again, rookie mistake. 
That's all um, right. It's all right, bud. I got you. I got you. <laughs> what changes do you make when dealing with a class three patient for locating the mandibles position? Again, it's like everybody. You look at how much their range of motion is. So if they're class three and they, let's say they're, they have a three millimeter protrusion already in their mandible, I'd say to that patient, go forward. Can they go forward? If they go, if, if they're class three and they can go forward another five, they have five millimeters of total protrusion. So I'm not going to start them at five. That's hundred percent of their protrusion. I might take them and we'll make them one millimeter protruded and a little bit more vertical, like maybe five or six. That's why I'll have those multiple George gauge, uh, forks or these other jigs that are available that have the numbers on them already to start them out. And again, those patients are a little, some of those class three patients, all you have to do is open them up a little bit and prevent the jaw from falling back a little bit and they're going to be fine. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Brian asked, oh, Brian said, I popped a PMF off with a liner appliance. So that was in reference to Dr. Moser's question earlier. And our friend, Tony, the, the magnificent, magnificent is back. What time of scanner do you use, Dr. C? Oh, that's a good question because uh, I don't believe all scanners are made equal. I think some of them are better <laughs> than others. I just like, I think precision appliances are better. Uh, I've tried a lot of scanners and, um, and there's a lot of good ones out there. I'm using the CareStream Wireless 3800. It's a very expensive scanner, but I'm telling you, it is fast and accurate. Uh, that's, I mean, but you, you know, that's, it's $30,000. Uh, you can get a, a, a medit scanner for less expensive, uh, Chad, I don't, do you partner with any scanner companies yet? Um, yes and no. I mean, not really. Um, we, we have a ton of coaching clients who use scanners all over the map. Okay. Um, I've personally been scanned with the Seronas as well as the emeralds from plan Mecca. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we have a mixture of personal experiences and also client testimonials. And so we, we don't have any corporate relationships. So if you guys, again, have questions, happy to um, just jump on a call, talk to you about the pros and cons. Um, just, one thing I think it's important to know, we actually don't get any financial remuneration. If you work with any of these companies, uh, we've foregone that because we want you guys to have an impartial source of information um, because the companies we part with are, are amazing and you should work with them because they're amazing. Uh, not just because we, we told you to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could say the same thing. I didn't do a disclaimer in the, in the beginning. Um, uh, I don't get paid by any of these appliance companies. I, you know, people always say to me, well, you know, you do so much of this and you talk about this, you get special pricing. I don't, I'll show you my invoices. I get charged <laughs> the same as everybody else. Um, every company does different things. Some give discounts for volume. Uh, ProSomnus does it uh, based on volume. So, you know, if you do X amount of a of dollar amount at the end of the year, you get a, a certain discount, you know, if it's so much per of your lab bill. And that's what I get. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, that's the only thing. I didn't give me any special pricing because I use yeah. their appliance. None of the companies do that. If not, you, you really need to disclose that when you speak. I don't, I don't get paid by them. I get, yeah. I get asked to speak like you did chat. And I, you know, and this is the first time I've spoken with the awaken to sleep. It's, it's, it's been my privilege tonight. And I want to mm. thank Michael and you Chad for 
extending me this invitation. Uh, it's always fun to share information and have this especially open dialogue. And again, I look forward to uh, anybody who um, listens to this or who's on it live. If you got questions to shoot me an email, I'm more than happy to uh, answer it. And if I have a picture of something that I think pertains to what you're doing, uh, I'll, I'll attach it into that email for you. Awesome. And folks, we're, we're going to wrap up tonight. Thank you guys for being an amazing, engaged audience. Um, we've got tons of compliments in the chat. Thank you, folks. Uh, the recording will be up on the website within the next two to three hours. So check there if you want to review any of the slides. We will provide the slides upon request to anyone who asks for them. And the only discount provided on this course are for the Pivot DSM Masterclass we really hope to see you in San Diego or Scottsdale in September or October. And, um, and we had a nice compliment from Michael, the Mag Tony Magnificent. <laughs> he, he liked the slides and Michael said, marvelous. Okay, Billy Crystal. <laughs> well, thank you both for those kind comments. I really appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Have a wonderful night. We're going to wrap up. Uh, don't worry. If you didn't click the link, you'll be taken right to the survey for being a participant of the webinar. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for joining us on this webinar. If you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at awakenasleep.com forward slash edu or at info at awaken2sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.